Last week, I began talking about the subject of uh, holiness, and the title of the message was The Forgotten Pursuit, and so that was part one, and this morning, uh, we're going to do part two, and so if you missed part one, be sure to get online and take a look at that. But uh, before we dive in, let's just pray one more time. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We just thank you for your goodness. We just thank you, Lord, for your message that you're speaking to us here in this body. And Lord, I thank you that we can receive it. We can receive it with gladness. Thank you that you're changing us day by day to be more and more like you. And Lord, we just come against all distractions. And I thank you, Father God, that we can focus on you for this short time this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, last uh, the body of Christ as a whole, I believe, has, you know, lost its pursuit of holiness. And, you know, over the years, you know, and you can look at different decades in, in the, you know, the body of Christ and you can see different shifts. And as we've come into the season of, you know, what a lot of people would call grace or a season of, uh, you hear a lot of teaching on, on grace... I believe that sometimes you can get a little too far over and you can miss sight that we serve a holy God and that we are commanded in the scripture to be holy. And we need to understand what that means and what it's uh, and how to do that and what we need to do to get on that pursuit, on that track to pursue holiness. The Bible's really clear that we're to be holy. And, you know, by and large, a lot of Christians, you know, just having sin in one's life, it's, you know, it's, it's become the norm. You know, it's, it's like it's okay because uh, there's going to be a little bit, we're going to have a little bit of sin because, man, we can't be perfect. There's no way. But the scripture says to be perfect as I am perfect. And that's what, you know, God was saying. And he said to be holy. And I believe that God would not have put something in his word that we could not do. Something that was, quote, too hard for us to obtain, too hard for us to walk in. And so I believe that we need to pursue holiness and that we can walk in holiness and we can walk in right standing before Him. And I believe there's been a lot of misconceptions about what holiness is and how to achieve it. And so last week, as I was uh, going through studying, you know, for the message, one of the things that God put on my heart, and we'll go ahead and We'll put it on the screen. It says, the do comes after the who. The do comes after the who. And what I mean by that is, is your behavior will change after who you become, which is you become like Christ. You become a new creature. You become separated for Him. Now remember, you know, holy, the first time we saw the word holy in the Scripture was when the burning bush was coming and, you know, coming out and, and, you know, this voice was coming out of this burning bush to, to, to Moses. He said, take off your feet for this is holy ground. And, you know, take off your shoes. Don't take off your feet. That'd be kind of, I've got feet on the brain with my little feet pin and everything. But uh, you take off your shoes because this, this is holy ground. This is whole, and, and what he was meaning is this is a separate place right here. This is a totally separate area on this mountain where you're at right now. This area. Because... Over there, that wasn't holy over there. Now, when you stand over here next to this bush, you stand over next to me, this is holy. This is separate. This is consecrated. This, this is a totally different thing. 
And that's what we're to be, is separate. Separate. And when you become separate, then your behavior will follow. The do will come after the who, the who you become. And so we need to understand holiness not as a new behavior, activity, or disciplines. Holiness is affections. It's new desires. It's new motives that then lead to new behavior. Now, our behavior still has to change, but our behavior is not going to change without those new desires, without those new affections for God. You know, we've got to see our sins as completely forgiven, totally gone when we come to Christ, that they're, it's, totally, it's in the past and they're totally forgiven and we have now become a new creature. And we've got to see that because if we can't see that and we don't see it, our affections and our desires and our motives will be wrong. We'll be stuck like in this spiritual purgatory, so to speak, trying to please you know, uh, God in a, in a way with our, our behaviors and our actions. And, and it's all, become, it, 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 all, all our behaviors is because you know, of the consequence of sin and not because we actually hate sin like God hates sin and, and wanting to be separate from that sin. Tyler Braun, a worship pastor, summed this up really, really good with this statement. He says, Holiness is not found in strict rule-keeping alone. It is found in our desire of the Holy One. So, holiness is, not new, uh, is, holiness is new affections, not new behaviors. The behavior is something that follows who you become. And as your affections change, those behaviors will follow. They will come in line. I want to read from Exodus 19 this morning in chapter 19. But before I do... I want to read the, the commentary here in the bottom of my study Bible. And I'm trying to remember which one this is. I think this is the Full Life Study Bible that I have here, I believe. I'll tell you, the Full Life Study Bible. That's what this one is. So I have too many, so I get them all mixed up sometimes. There's the life application and the full... I, I like them. But this is the, the Full Life Study Bible. And here's what, they, here's what it says about chapter 19. It says, chapter 19 records the establishment of God's covenant with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. It is an extension of His covenant with Abraham and his descendants. This covenant was based on Israel's prior reconciliation with God and their ongoing fellowship with Him. It defined the conditions by which Israel would remain God's treasured possession, continue in His blessing, and carry out His will for the nation. God intended that Israel be a unique people, chosen and separated unto Him for this purpose. The people were to respond in obedience and gratitude to God by seeking to follow the commandments and by offering the prescribed sacrifices of God's covenant. As a result, they would remain God's special people, a kingdom of priests who were holy and pure. Now I want to read verse uh, 5 and verse 6. Of this chapter, it says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. All the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And when he says, he said, All the earth is mine, that includes you and me. We belong to God. We belong to Him. Everything is His. And the thing I believe that God is speaking to us is that we need to start acting like it by changing our affections, 
by running to Him. And so that we can change our behavior, so that our behavior will come in line with what the Scripture says, being separate, being holy. And therefore, it's not a chore. It's not something that is just, it's too hard. It's not something that we got to write down, you know, make all these lists of, of do's and don'ts. Okay, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this. And we don't have, we don't have to get caught up in that. It'll be easy. It'll be easy not to do this or not to do that. Because we're just so in love with God that we can't help but please Him. In, uh, in, I also want to read the commentary out of the bottom for verse 6, the verse that we just read, in reference to a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is important. As part of God's purpose for the Israelites in bringing them out of Egypt, they were to be a kingdom of priests. In other words, separated and consecrated for God's service and a holy nation. Likewise, believers under the new covenant must be a kingdom of priests and a holy people. In other words, people separated from the world's ungodly ways and walking in God's righteous ways and holy will. So that's very important, is that we're reading and we're seeing what was in the, uh, the old covenant, but it also is in the new. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, You also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who's called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And you know, something that really speaks to me in that verse right there, He says that we're supposed to be a peculiar people. I mean, really different. And in this society that we live in now, you know, this whole term Christians and being Christians, many times you just don't see the difference. You just don't see it. There's nothing really too peculiar about them. As a matter of fact, sometimes we have the opposite effect, talking, you know, talking about the body of Christ at large, because we're not really walking in the Spirit, and we've got that list of do's and don'ts, and when somebody else is doing something wrong, we're pointing the finger, we're, you know, doing this number, you know, oh, you shouldn't be, you know, and, and the love is not there. And so we're not that peculiar people, those that are separated for Him, those that treat others the way that they should be treated, as the Scripture says to be. And so therefore, you know, when, when, when we're seen, oh, it's just, oh, it's all them, just those Christians, you know, all those Christians. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have seen that before? We see it. In the news, we see it in the media, we see it in the movies, we see it in the TVs, we see it all around us. We need to be a peculiar people, a royal priesthood for Him. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, I read this and I want to read a few more verses out of chapter 1 this week. It says, therefore, beginning in 13, therefore prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lest, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or 
or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Mm, That right there really speaks to me. I want to look at verse 14 though one more time. If we can put verse 14 back up on the screen. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, which was yours in your ignorance. So what are we to be holy and separated from? The former lust. And this word lust, it means desire, craving, longing, desire for what is forbidden. Desire, say one more time, craving, longing, desire for what is forbidden. So if we find ourselves craving, longing, desiring for what is forbidden, we've got to run to Jesus. I mean, pretty much, we've got to run to Him. That's our key. See, we've had it to where we know what is forbidden, we know what's wrong. Okay, we've got to get rid of the former lust. We've got to not, you know, crave and desire those things. And so when we start to have those thoughts, when we start to have those desires, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Oh, man, Lord, forgive me. And then we're trying to do it on our own. Right after that, our own strength. We, we, we try, okay, not, don't do that. We feel bad. We may get condemned. We may get in condemnation. But a different pattern is what the Lord wants us to do. Is when we start feeling those thoughts that we just drop to our knees and we start loving on God. We start working on our relationship with Him because that means there was a relationship breakdown somewhere. See, when I'm hateful to my wife, when I'm hateful to her, or I say something in anger, I say something and I'm mad and I say something to her, there was a relationship breakdown somewhere. And I've got to get back and I've got to spend a little time with her. And I've got to find out what's going on. And I've got to start loving on her. Because something's wrong with the relationship. When I get angry, I get mad, I get upset, I get impatient, I'm this and that. My love for her then is not what it should be. Does that make sense? And when I have those thoughts for what's forbidden, when I have those thoughts and I'm craving something that I shouldn't be doing and I'm doing something, you know, that's when i got to stop. Look at my love for Him. I've got to work on that. I've got to start loving Him, allowing Him to come and love me, allowing His love to come inside of me. And my behavior will then change. My behavior will change. I've got to work on it. And now your behavior may not change just like that. We know it's not, you know, look, God's not a magician. Amen. He's not a magician. He's not a genie. He's none of those things. We can't just wish it away. We can't do any of those things. We've got to get into His Word. His Word washes us. His Word does a work in us. We get into His Word. We spend time with Him. We start working on our situation. We start working, uh, we start working on that relationship, building it up, asking God, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And God begins to reveal. God begins to show And intimacy begins to take place. The reason why David was a man who was an adulterer, he was a murderer, he did all these things wrong, but yet he was still a man after God's own heart, was because he laid down before God on his face. Because he danced before God. Because he cried out to God. He sacrificed time, energy, all all of those things before God. 
And he, and he was a man after God's own heart. Blows me away. How could Moses, after murdering a man, how could he be called a friend of God? Isn't that something? Doesn't that blow your mind just a little bit? How could he be called a friend of God? How could David be have this in the man that he was and the things that he done have a heart and God's God, you know, he be in right standing with God? See, the thing is, in verse 17, 18, and 19, we've got it even better than they've got it. Because we have Christ. We have Christ. We have His Holy Spirit. We're in that new covenant where, you know, in verse 17 again, you see, we should be conducting ourselves in fear during our time on our stay on earth. Why? Because we were redeemed with the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Christ. We weren't purchased or bought with money or any of those things. It was by His blood. Verse 19, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. We were purchased with that. And so we belong to Him. We were bought with a very high price. And when you realize what was, been, what was paid for you, what was paid for you, a, a sense of gratefulness starts to take over. A sense of gratefulness. And, and, and you just you fall in love with that. You know, it's like when you buy that real expensive gift that person really wanted. You know, and you know, and they spent that money, and you're like, oh, and they didn't have the money. You know what I mean? It was a real sacrifice for them. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe you did it. Have you ever given somebody something or seen somebody that got something and they started crying? Because they just couldn't believe it? That's what it's like with God. He died for us. You know, it's, it's like that right there. I can't believe He did that for me. He paid that much for me? He was that gift for me? Unbelievable. And when we look at it that way, because we were bought with a price, in 1 Corinthians six nineteen it says, What? Know not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. Now, he was talking about fornication. He was talking, there was stuff going on and adultery and all this going on. You know, and so he was, he was saying this, but a key here thing is, though, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What it is is we're not our own, period. It doesn't matter what sin it is. We're not our own, and we don't have a right to do that sin any longer because we were bought with blood. And because we were bought, we no longer have the right to do those things any longer. Now, because we belong to somebody else... We have to follow what He wants. We have to follow what He desires. Desires. Verse 20, For we are bought with the prize, therefore glorify... And this is what He wants us to do. To glorify God. To glorify Him in our body, in our spirit, which is His. It's all His. Remember the earth? We read it right off the beginning. It's all His. And so see, when we look at it from this perspective, it changes things a little bit in our mind. Because we're bought, we're not our own, therefore we can't live the way we live, and the way to accomplish the way that He wants us to live is simply to do the first and greatest commandment, which is to love on Him, establish that relationship, because the do comes out of the who. Amen? We are nowhere near where we need to be. So why does God want us to be a royal priest for Him? Why does He expect us to obey Him? Why does He command holiness? 
And it's not, again, it's not because he's a control freak up there with a finger ready to just zap us when we do something bad. It's because he loves us. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to do that because he loves us. He wants the best for us. He doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't want us to be hurt. He wants us to thrive. And God knows that the only way for us to do that is to be holy, to be separate, to not do these things with the sin because sin hurts us. When we give in to sin and we do that, sin harms us. And He knows it. When my children, you know, were really young and they wanted to touch that stove, you know, it was like they wanted to so bad, but I wouldn't let them. Why? Not because I didn't want to take, you know, I want them to have fun or explore or whatever it was because I knew it was best for them not to touch the stove. Now they did it anyways and burnt their finger at, one, at some point. And they got away with it. And they learn on their own. How many's done some learning on your own? Wouldn't it be great if we could stop learning on our own and God could just show us and we just didn't have to get burnt on that stove? God doesn't want us to get burnt. So we, you know, that's why I tell him, if you just listened to me, son, you wouldn't have got burnt. You know, and that's what God sometimes, I think he's, he's, man, if they would just listen to my word, if they would just see what's there, if they'd really understand it, wow, they wouldn't get burnt. They wouldn't have to. They just love on me, get with me, no more getting burned on the stove. Why? Because sin is destructive. Sin is simply this, it's disobedience to God. And let me tell you, church, sin is not neutral. Sin is a powerful thing because it desires to take over our lives. Sin has a way of just slowly creeping in, slowly trying to like take control. I, that's the way it is. And it creeps. It's like a little creeper. You know, it just comes up on you and before you know it, you, you're just, you're full blown in it. And you don't know what to do. How many know what I'm talking about? Don't look at me like it's not you. You know. You do it. I know. But that doesn't mean we have to. Ed Cole says this, All sin promises to serve and please, but only desires to enslave and dominate. Isn't that so true? Because in the beginning we were looking at it. Oh, it sounded like a good thing to say in that anger. Oh, it sounded really good. It sounded really good and justifiable to hold on to that bitterness. It sounded really good at the time. But then we found out that we became a slave to it. Then we found out that it dominated. It sounded really good to give in to that lust. It sounded really good to, to, to give in to that you know, sexual sin. It sounded good at the time because it promised to please me. It promised to, to, to serve me. But the opposite ended up happening. I began serving it. Isn't that so true? Folks, we're supposed to be saints. The term saint doesn't mean that the believer is already perfect and incapable of sin. The believers in the New Testament were called saints. The basic idea of the term is that you know, saints is separation from sin and unto God. Saints, and in other words, that word saints is God's separated ones or God's holy ones. But because so many Christians have been dominated by sin, we aren't looked at as saints. We're not looked at as saints. We've got to get back to where we're looked at as the saints of God. We've got to cleanse the sin out of our lives. And being cleansed is a process. For the sake of time, we're not going to be able to read all these scriptures. I'm going to tell you what, what the Lord was showing me. In Exodus 28, you can go just write that down. You can look it up later. You can, you know, get into that. And Exodus 28 tells us that Aaron and his sons had holy garments made for them for the priesthood. 
Isaiah 61.10 says that we are to be covered with the robe of righteousness. And you look in, and you study that Exodus 28, that was a long process of making these holy garments and then being clothed in these holy garments. It was a process being made holy. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become, that we might become. And when you look up that word, it, 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 uh, it tells us that it's a, it's a process. It's not an overnight snap your fingers, boop, you know, you're the righteousness of God, you know. We become the righteousness of God in Him. And so just as there was a process done to clothe Aaron and his sons in holy garments, there's a process that we go through to become the righteousness of God and to be holy and set apart for Him. Something that just, it just doesn't happen overnight. And you remember when you came to God, you know, yeah, you, 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 know, you crucified and you, you did that and thing and you were like, oh man, sin and forgiveness. And you're like, God, I gave you my life. I believe that you raised from the dead. I confess with my mouth. You got saved. You got saved, but everything didn't change just like that, did it? It took a minute. Minute meaning it took a lot longer than a minute. It took a while. It took a while to start working on some things. And the way to work on it is to press into Him. Righteousness means this, the condition acceptable to God. The condition acceptable to God means integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, Feeling and acting. You know, I looked at word, you know, righteous, that's straight from, you know, the Greek right out of Second Corinthians, that, that verse we just read. That's what he's talking about, righteous. The condition acceptable to God. And see, in Exodus 28, when Aaron was getting clothed and his sons were getting clothed, clothed God was making them acceptable to be a priest for him. God wants us to be acceptable to him. And we do that by pressing into him in this process of cleansing the sin out of our life. And again, it doesn't happen overnight. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, let's look a little bit more on this, real quick on this process. It says in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God had said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, this is a passage of Scripture that I keep, I keep before me a lot. And I keep just getting more and more out of it. I keep getting more and more revelation out of this passage of Scripture. This was something I read as a teenager that spoke to me. It spoke a lot to me. And I began to work on my relationship with Christ. In verse 14, you'll see that word communion. It means association, community, joint participation. We are to be in communion with nothing but God because we are light, we are not darkness. Light doesn't have any business being in the same room with darkness, so to speak. We are the light. And so we don't have time to associate with the darkness. In verse 16, we're now the temple. If you remember, you know, when Daryl was here and he was talking about the tabernacle and he was talking about the Holy Holies and the different things, it was the same in the temple of Solomon. You had the different areas. We are now that temple that the presence of God comes in and resides. We're that temple. We're the temple of God. He comes in. He wants us to be that temple. He wants us... And the temple, there was that process... Uh, and all these little things, and God was very, very specific. 
There was an order to it. There was an order to how everything had to be. It was very specific, and it was a process to make sure that this place, called the temple or the tabernacle, wherever it was, you know, so that this place was acceptable to God for His presence to reside. And so you as the temple of God, are you acceptable to God for His presence to reside? That's heavy. That's heavy. And see, that should make us not want to, again, don't make a list of do's and don'ts. Don't go, oh, I've been doing this and this and this and this is wrong. And start focusing on that. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Remember, your, remember what the key is. Remember what holiness is. I mean, run to God. The behaviors will follow. But that's some heavy stuff. Are we acceptable? Unclean means this. In verse 17, it says unclean. Not cleansed. In a moral sense, it means this. Unclean in thought and life. Example would be, you know, like a, a, a married, you know, couple who's, you know, they're there and they're looking at the opposite sex and they've got these, you know, thoughts and they're longing for somebody else even though they're married. You know, that's in your thought. It's an unclean thought. Unclean in your thought life. God wants us to be clean. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, right after that passage, we, he goes right into this. He says, having therefore these promises. The promises of what? Being sons and daughters of God. See, when we do this thing, when we get this process, we become sons and daughters of God. That's the promise. Having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So this word cleanse, it means to remove by cleansing. That's literally what it means, to remove by cleansing. And in a moral sense, it means to free from defilement of sin and from faults, to purify from wickedness, to free from guilt of sin, to purify, to consecrate by cleansing or purifying. And let me tell you something, if you've ever stained something and you've got to cleanse it and get it out, it doesn't happen just right away. You know, you spill a bunch of soda on the floor, on the carpet, that takes a while to get that sucker out. you got to use some cleaner. you got to apply. It's a process. And then you're looking at the cleaner of the bottle and figuring, okay, how did you use the carpet cleaner? Step one, step two, step three. Men, read directions. Always read the directions. You'll make it worse. If you don't read the directions, you'll make the stain worse. you got to follow the directions. And so many of the times, we're not reading the directions. We're not following the steps. And we make it worse because we've got a misconception of what holiness is and we're trying to do it our own and we're trying to change our behavior. And God says, stop trying to you know, change your behavior. Just run to me. Just love on me. Amen? That's it. That's it. And when we look at this process, we can look and see. And when we study and we learn and we look in these verses and it begins to get opened up and then we can get molded and shaped into His image. Because we're supposed to be the image of Christ because we belong to Him. And it's a process. God shows up in a place that is prepared for Him. One that has order, has order to it. You know, keep this in mind. There was an order to everything He said to do involving the priesthood in the Old Testament. There's so much that we could look at and learn and look, and look at. There was an order to it. There was a process to it. And we have a process. We see scriptures in the New Testament. We have a process. We have some things that we need to do. We need to do chapter 7 verse 1. Cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Can we all stand? Hmm.
I said just a moment ago is that God shows up in a place that is prepared for Him. Now we've read this, this scripture. I want to read one last scripture. Romans chapter one or chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now we've read this many times before. But see, it means a little something different this morning after what we just heard. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Present your temple. See, that's what that means. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Present yourself as what? A living sacrifice. Because see, in the old covenant, they had to make sacrifices before God. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. We know that we only have to be that living sacrifice. Holy, separate. In other words, separated. Remember, we just read the scripture. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. Separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. He said, and then I'll receive you. Then I'll receive you. Which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. Why? Because of the price that was paid. Remember? That price. It was with blood. Verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? It's through His Word and through prayer. That's how we're transformed. He gave us the key right there. We're transformed. No, we're changed by renewing our mind. Just simply getting before Him. Getting before Him. Reading His Word. Being in prayer. That's it. Not working on a list of do's and don'ts. That you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Doesn't that scripture mean just a little bit more this morning? Even though we've read it so many times, we've heard it many times before. There's a whole lot there now. A whole lot there. A whole lot that we can look at. Hallelujah. This morning... How many just, you know, this, this helps? How many, you know, this, this, this just helps? Man, it really helps me. It helps me. It helps me to know that God's not up there with His finger ready to zap me. That, it helps me to know that. It helps me to know that I don't have to try to do it on my own. I don't have to try to, to change and, and stop doing what I'm doing in my own strength. It helps me to know that I just need to fall in love with Him. How many need to love God more? You're here, you need to love Him more. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Church, do you ever, do you ever get at home and maybe put some music on for 15 minutes, you know, and just, just soak in His presence? You ever just stick it on and just start loving on Him? Isn't it good when you do that? Isn't it so good And the peace of God comes on you? The peace comes... You're loving on Him. That's where we're changed. That's where we're getting molded. That's where we're becoming more and more acceptable to Him, pleasing to Him. Can we pray this morning and just give over to Him anything that we need to give over and say to God, I need to love you more. I need you more. I need you more. Can we just say that to Him this morning? Father God, Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for what You're speaking to us this morning. Lord, when we say here, as a church, as a, as a body of believers, Lord, we say to you, we hear you. We hear what you're saying. And we say, God, we need to love you more. Forgive us where we have fallen short 
in our relationship with you in developing that time and that, that, that time to, to sacrifice before you, being that living sacrifice on a daily basis. Forgive us where we have not uh, taken the opportunities that you've given us to, to press into your presence, to just love on you. Lord, forgive us where we've gotten it all backwards, where we've run away from you and tried to do it on our own. Lord, I thank you for giving each person strength, your strength, Lord, to be able to accomplish those things which you've already shown them. Lord, I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that we are becoming more and more like you, separate and holy. Lord, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.